I like the uh, tree you're here on my wall. You're going to have something that's healthy and, and looks amazing at face value. There's got to be structure and something solid underneath, you know? So I think uh, making sure that you take the time to build a solid, uh, you know, foundation. It includes looking, looking at yourself in the mirror, treating people the way you'd like to be treated, and using your business to build something that is beneficial to others, not just your own, uh, what you might, your own dreams and aspirations. You're listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. From pavers to profits, we're focused on the topics that help hardscape professionals find success and level up. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardscape Growth Show. I'm your host, Alex from TechoBlock, and today we're joined by a few of our friends from uh, Tussie Landscaping. We have Steve and Matt Martin, as well as Wes. You may remember a few weeks ago, we had an episode with uh, Wes Zimmerman. We were talking about job costing and estimating, and one of the things that came up was how Wes has been at Tussie for 15 years, and he's super happy there, and he's grown into a pretty cool role. And uh, we were talking about like why it is that he stuck around for that long. And he would say, well, it's a cool company and uh, they're cool people. So we said, well, why don't we talk with these cool people and see what it is that they're doing to make such a great company happen, how they got here and what the future looks like. So uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Good to see you. Good to be here. It's cool All to be right. with the cool kids. <laughs> there you go. So uh, full disclosure, Steve, Matt, this is our first time meeting. So we're going to get to know each other through this process, but we've done this a few times on the show and every time has turned out well. So I remain very optimistic. We'll start with uh, a little bit of background on Tussie Landscaping. Can you tell us what the company started out as and what it is today uh, in terms of uh, services offered, in terms of uh, business size, number, number, number of employees, uh, whatever? Sure. Yeah, so we are uh, in our 30th year in business. Um, I was 15 years old when my dad uh, purchased a small lawn care company. So we started with a couple of mowers and um, a little bit of a truck and, and hand tools. So that's how we got started, cutting lawns. We, uh, we kind of built that family business, a couple of brothers, mm -hmm. and um, we built uh, lawn mowing and started getting into landscaping about uh, we started in 91. By 97, 98, we were starting to think about hardscapes, patios, kind of the outdoor living spaces. Uh, so we started we started um, getting our feet, you know, wet with a few of those kind of projects. By 2003, we had grown that the part of the business enough, we decided to sell the whole maintenance mowing side of the business. Uh, so from there on, we started uh, building crews and, yeah, building our, our future around outdoor living spaces, design, build. So where we're at today is uh, about uh, about 20 employees. We have two full-time design sales um, guys uh, who handle all of that. And uh, we run about uh, five crews on install. Uh, wow. New install work. And uh, we have uh, some crews on maintenance around 
maintaining some of our properties in regards to we do a lot of water features as part of our outdoor living uh, mm -hmm. and some maintenance which would include you know spring mulch blowing and that kind of thing so we have some guys that do twice a month visits to properties just to see after that stuff and say after keep our clients looking good um, and that's that's maintenance of projects that you have built it's not right. it's not open to anyone that's right that's right very cool so yeah that's uh i guess that's just kind of real briefly um where where we started and, and where we're at today um of course my brother matt here's on on the on the show here he's uh, my youngest brother and we're we've been partners in the business for how long now matt 10 years yeah it's going on 10 years yeah yep yeah. and uh I as I was the youngest brother, so Steve's ten years older than I am, roughly. It's kind of all I've ever known is growing up working in the the family company. Yeah. So I've been, I've been in the industry pretty much all my life, um, for the most part. There was a year or two that I wasn't around around as much, but uh, thereafter, uh, about ten years ago, pretty much been full time. Well, Steve brought me on as a partner, and so yeah, so we do. But uh, like I said, kind of growing up. That's all I did, you know, nights, even the weekends, summers, whatever, I'd help on mountain. And I can remember those years when we were starting to get into like the first hardscape jobs, you know, but uh, it's this is a lot heavier than a mower. What, what's this about? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so yeah. who does, who does what? Wes, let's, let's start with Wes because Wes hasn't spoken yet. Wes, what do you do in the company? So up until a few months ago, I was uh, running a crew full time. And also for the last seven, eight years, I kind of, um, I kind of wanted to fill this. I kind of wanted to be busy all year round. And I had been running a crew for some time and I wanted to kind of fill in some of the blank spots in the off season. And so I kind of take, uh, Steve and Matt kind of threw the marketing piece at me and I took off with that about seven or eight years ago. And so kind of grew into a role where I was responsible for all of the marketing activities of the company, as well as running a crew full time, uh, all, and marketing kind of translates into all the content creation as well, all the mm -hmm. photos, videos, articles, that kind of thing. Uh, and you guys do a great job with that stuff. It's super fun videos, super engaging stuff. We're gonna talk about that too. Honestly, like just just with what you guys have said, I have a whole show mapped out already. So we're we're all set. <laughs> all right, Matt, what what do you take care of? Um, I I'm pretty much full time uh, in the field. So I'm running a crew, but in the busy season at least. Off season, I kind of do whatever whatever needs done there, um, right in the business. But uh, for the for the busy uh, for the install season, yeah, I'm pretty much in the field full time for the most part. And uh, usually, I'm kind of me. There's two crews that kind of take on the bigger projects, and, and I'm one of those. So that's what I do, and whatever uh, whatever else needs done as far as in business side of things you know it's always little stuff here and there um yeah there's there's always uh, primary that's responsibility what business is. yeah <laughs> primary <laughs> responsibility in the busy in the busy season is is uh you know putting projects in the ground so basically production yeah right okay and uh steve yeah well i um kind of where i put my focus uh this time of year is on um the scheduling and logistics. So that's just the daily feedback of uh, what guys are doing, what they need for the next day as far as how many crew members and uh, if they need supplies to the job site or we're, we're wrapping up a job or we're moving to a new job. I just uh, make sure all that kind of 
kind of is flowing together and that the plan's mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. place and uh, things are going to end up where they need to be to keep keep everything flowing smoothly. So uh, that's that's where I that's where I feel a good bit of my time. I, I'm I'm going to be out in the field. I'm I'm around the job sites and I you know enjoy operating equipment. So yeah, that's where I put a lot of my focus. All right. I want to. I just want to clarify for the rest of the company. You mentioned you have two full-time design slash salespeople. Right. Wes is kind of handling mostly the marketing. Matt's focused on production. Steve, you're focused on logistics and scheduling and just keeping the, the machine humming along. Yeah. Who's taking care of the books? You have someone dedicated for that? Do you have a team dedicated for that? We have a full-time uh, bookkeeper. She okay. handles all, she sets up all the consultations, handles initial calls coming in. Yes, works with our maintenance guys, keeping their schedules up, taking those calls, handles handles all the uh, all the office managers. So yeah, she gives us the weekly reports that we want to see and, and um, kind of keeps the office going. All right, so tell me, at what point did it start to make sense to hire people and put them in these different seats on the bus so that you weren't responsible for doing all the different things. You're clearly focusing on the things that you gravitate to the most at this point after 30 years in business. How did you get there? Yeah, well, that's a big question. You know, it's a it's a 30 year question. What we do here on the show, Steve. It, it's yeah, <laughs> 30 year question for us. You know, for us, we evolved slowly. And I think that's one of the things that made us solid. Uh, it was a, a, you know, every year we grew and every year, but there was a lot of, a lot of painful points in there up to that uh, million dollar mark or so. And at that point you're getting into multiple crews and I used to do design sales, although I didn't have a formal education for that. I had just, uh, I was self-taught at that point. We brought on a designer, our first one, and um, we were also, as a family business, my dad and a few of my other brothers developed the landscape supply company. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're our local dealer for a lot of the products that we use, including, you know, Tackle Block. So we were actually able to share a secretary for a good many years. So that helped us out in okay. that regard. It was just in the past uh, three years that we took on our own full-time secretary okay and what uh if you don't mind my asking at what number did it start to justify like at what revenue number did it start to justify branching off and starting to have your own dedicated people instead of trying to share the resources and i'm thinking from the perspective of of our audience too who may not have the same situation as you where you have a distribution business and a construction business so for them, they might be doing it with an agency or a temp person or a part-time person. At what point does it start to make sense to start looking full-time at these people? At least for you. Yeah. It's different well, for every business, but for you. Yeah, that's a good That's a good question. I'm not sure how clearly I can answer that, but I would say as you approach that million and start going beyond that, you better start putting things in place so that you, you're just going to run yourself into the, into the ground and you're going to frustrate everyone around you in the company so there's scary steps in there where it seems like it's a big jump we yeah. could have taken on our own full-time secretary many years before we did uh, we kind of maxed out 
one secretary for probably too many years, although she she was very capable and thought she could handle it, every, you know, everything, and she did. She did a great job, but uh, got yeah. to the point where uh, it made sense for us to move to. Yeah, and it also depends. Also depends too on what you, as an owner, like to focus on. Steve and I aren't really the office type of guys. Probably the less we spend in there, at least when the weather's nice, the better. You know how that goes. Um, wintertime is not a bad place to be. That's a good. That's a real good point. It's a real good point. Yeah. But so, yeah. I think that's that's one of the keys, though, Matt, is is building the business to a point where you have a structure that allows you to you. You own the place, you do the things you like doing, and you hire other people to do the other stuff. And those people like doing those things. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yep. we had um, our, our second our second design sales guy, we took him on, Matt, what, what size were you when we took him on? Probably the 1.5 1, 1. mark? One, somewhere yeah, there. possibly. And, uh, I think even earlier than that. Maybe earlier maybe than, than that. Than that. Yeah. We, we, we hired him out of out of college. He wanted to jump right into design sales, and we held him back for three, four, or five years. We wanted him to get the field experience. Plus, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like we were ready to take on that additional overhead. Plus, it requires adding crews and equipment. And I'm, so he actually pushed me into that a little bit. Got to the point where he's like, "Hey, I can do this. I'm going to surprise you what I can do." And we sat down and I said, "Okay, all right." Talk to me. Tell me how we're going to do this. And uh, he put a good bit on the line, you know. Um, and he, he he has delivered, you know. With that launched us from the 1.5 to we're about it. We're we're at the four million mark. So wow, congratulations. That's uh, you know that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. So you took us right there, Steve. What is it about your mindset as a company? the culture as a company that you have people that will start in a role and push themselves into a new role, creating new roles, creating new needs for the business, creating new opportunities for the business. How do you, how do you wrap your head around that where your team is telling you what to do? Yeah. Well, um, try to, I'll try to answer that. You're doing a good job so far. Well, I, so. I think I like the uh, tree you're here on my wall. Okay. You're going to have something that's healthy and, and looks amazing at face value. There's got to be structure and something solid underneath, you know? So I think uh, making sure that you take the time to build a solid, uh, you know, foundation. Um, it, it includes looking, looking at yourself in the mirror treating people the way you'd like to be treated and using your business to build something that is beneficial to others, not just your own, uh, what you might, your own dreams and aspirations. All right. So I think, uh, sharing our vision, we've always, we've had an open book company. So with all, okay. with all of our main people and anyone who has interest, we bring them along with the numbers and the budgets and how we're going to make things work. In doing that, it creates you know some team team buy-in where you can uh, compensate people, even though they're working ten you know ten nine ten months full time out of a season, they're making a nice living 
that carries them through off seasons. Although we do it quite a bit with off season as well for for folks. But uh, and also along with that, when you when you all work at goals together and what you need to do to be successful and to keep a company running, to have a shop to work out and to have a, a be able to update equipment and have those extra pieces of equipment that makes life a lot easier. You know it. Um, yeah, you got you got to work at that together, and and so doing, you create, you end up with something that's unique to other companies around. You know, I'm writing all this down. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. This this is funny. The the tree the tree analogy is one I used literally yesterday. Okay. Talking with one of the owners at Tackle Block, and uh, saying saying how we have we have quite a few people. Uh, I'm an example of it, but there's, there's a lot. There's, off the top of my head, there's probably like 10, 15 people at the company that started in one role and evolved into something else. And uh, I couldn't articulate what it was. And I was looking out my window, and there's this big maple tree in the yard. And I said, you know, we're kind of like a tree where it's just like the branches grow towards the light. And just, you know, there's all these different branches, and they all grow to where they can get the light so that it feeds the tree. But I liked what you said, because you were pointing at the roots and that's like the structure. And then you're giving direction, which I could say is almost like the trunk of the tree. Like we go up, that's where the tree needs to go. Yeah. And then the vision is all the branches. Like these are the things that we need to do. And when you share that vision with your team, these are the things we're trying to achieve. These are the goals that we're trying to achieve. Then every branch knows where to go get the light for right. the tree right. and then the last thing it's great to have a beautiful tree but if it doesn't get water if it doesn't get nutrients it's not going to survive right and that's things like the open book policy like you're sharing the insights that allow them to perform because they know what's good and what's not you have a good team environment where people understand and work together and realize they're all part of a team and, and they're part of a, a bigger collective. And if everyone pulls their weight, we can do great things, but we have to help each other along the way. You have good people. I know Wes, you mentioned when we were talking the other day, the importance of training and, and, and investing in training for the people. And finally, the equipment that just creates a safer, more productive working environment that's more fun too. Everyone loves operating a machine instead of operating a shovel. Yeah. Right? So, so, so I really like that tree analogy because like, that's how you build a good company. You need all of those pieces. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When did that, when did you realize that? Because that's not like a natural thing. Like you just, you know, starting a company, there's a tree, we're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think there's, you know, obviously when you, when you get into business, uh, typically there's a certain passion that might drive you that way or, or that passion might evolve. I was, obviously I was just a young guy, but that, you know, the business, um, it attract, it attracted me and, and I put a lot of effort and passion into it. Um, looking around and seeing other companies, taking lessons from companies that you admire. I think that was that's been a real powerful for us to uh, get to those events, get to to places where companies have tremendous uh, team culture, and learn from them. You know, provide a continuing education for your people. 
just those types of things, I believe, um, kind of fed and helped us to grow in that. Matt, when, when Steve yeah. said companies that you, you admire, you went, mm-hmm. What are some companies that you admire? Well, there's a, there's a lot of different companies that you run into over the years. And maybe it's just an article you read about this company that has one or two things in there. Like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. So probably like a, a big company that we've looked up to over the years is Aquascapes. Obviously, they have yeah. their own, you know, they have their culture. That's a cool company, man. And yeah. whatnot. Um, they, they're obviously, they're all about the water features, which we've kind of grown into that. You know, so that's definitely a company that we've uh, kind of looked up to. And and, uh, then, and then they put on these events and whatnot you can go to. And attending these events are other companies that, like I said, it's, it's maybe not just one, but it's you can – pull out a handful of companies that say they do this well and this well and you try to you know pull all these things together and add them into your company culture if, if it makes sense you know so mm-hmm. so it's not just looking at companies like aquascape uh where greg woodstock has, has built a really cool company and he lets his team do their stuff everyone has a right. role and they do that stuff you ask greg like what what do you guys do for this like, i don't really know this is the person who handles it and, and you guys seem to be doing a lot of the same stuff. But the other thing you mentioned is going to these events, going to these learning opportunities. You're taking that opportunity as not only one to learn, but to network with other people who operate in your space sure. and see what they're doing and take mm-hmm. the good and stuff that they're not doing well. I guess you don't copy, <laughs> but stuff that, they, that you do like, you take yeah. it and you try it out and you adapt I mean, it over time. And, and that's we've it. Learned, right? We've learned a couple things from pay repeat, but not, not really a lot. We do like going to those tech block showcase events for sure. And I don't know if you guys are planning on doing that again. I know this is yes. this hardcover thing kind of cropped up. Bring them back. They're coming back. They're coming back. Well, we would always like to sit in front row. You're hearing it first here on the Hardscape Real Show. They're coming back. Awesome. We always like to heckle Pay Repeat up front there, you know. But uh, <laughs> seriously, those types of events where you can go even as a group and and learn stuff and, you know, or even trade shows, you can go look at all kinds of whatnot. Just kind of keeping your eyes open within the industry to, for good ideas is, is always a good thing. So Now, uh, Wes... I know you've come to, to our contractor showcases before. Yeah. Uh, and you're an employee at Tussie. So, Steve, Matt, Wes, whoever wants to answer, how important is it for as many members of your team as possible to participate in these opportunities too? And not just be the boss who goes for the training, who goes for the event, who goes to the trade show, whatever. I think it's really important. I mean, it's Steve. You probably want to weigh in on this, but like to me, that shows it's a, it, it does a couple things. It gives a time for where the whole company can kind of like build camaraderie and culture around. Like, hey, we're gonna go do this fun event all together, and it also is this spirit of inclusion. Like, you know, we're all on the same team here. We're all gonna go learn. And some of the maybe there's a brand new guy that what's he gonna gain from this show? And you might have a hard time articulating that, but just the just knowing that the management or the leadership of the company is like, hey, I want you to, I want you to have room to grow, or you know, we're gonna bring you along. You know that that means a lot. Says the guy who's been there for 15 years. So, yeah, for sure. I would hate yeah. to, uh, to me to just go as an owner to those those type of events. 
and the amount of things that can be learned and the amount of inspiration that can be gotten for me to try to relay that to guys who are back, you know, pounding it out in the field. Yeah, it's a big, big investment. I know we've, we try to send as many guys as we can. And, you know, sometimes there's a couple events throughout a year. We'll send a group to one and a different group to another one. And, you know, those kinds of things try to give everyone opportunity. But for example, going to aquascapes for, three, four days for some of those events that have helped us tremendously with our uh, exposure to improving ourselves. It's a, it's a big cost. Mm -hmm. Not only the time off and what it costs to go to the event, but the, the work, the production that you lost, you know? And you kind of hate to add it up in your mind, but at the end of the day, it's been, it's been worth it. And I think it's, a, it's, it's an investment. And that, that's kind of key, right? That that was that's why I wanted to get the different perspectives, because like when you're the employee, you're not paying the bill like, wow, this is cool. When you're the guy who's shelling out the cash to send your crew over to an event, especially if it's like out of town, like the aquascape right. thing is like you got airfare or, or you got a lot of fuel, you got hotels, you got all kinds of oh, stuff. Yeah. So like that, it's not uh, it's not nothing. It's that's significant. The other thing that the other thing that they, they're way into that's like so if the owner goes by himself and leaves ten guys at home or five guys or two guys whatever, like if multiple people are going and everybody's like pulling at their harness like looking to improve and grow not only themselves professionally but the company like you have so many more ears and so many more brains at the same event consuming the same content and so many more ideas and not only that like what Steve said the owner doesn't have to come back and try to sell the idea everybody's owning it together. Yeah, which is way that's half the battle. So maybe even more than half. Maybe the even battle. more. Like, yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's some great stuff. Uh, can I ask you guys um, with regards to training? For example, like we created Heartscaper.com so that there's online training available for contractors, twenty four seven. You have someone new; they can go learn how to lay hardscapes, you know, uh, interlocking concrete pavement or build segmental retaining walls. That course will be out in a couple of weeks here. Um, but you know, there's even the marketing course that maybe for someone like Wes that, that might be helpful. How to generate leads for your business. Uh, there's a job costing and estimating course that'll be coming out in a, in a little bit too. These, these courses exist to help different members of your team grow and learn together. Have you guys taken advantage of online learning opportunities too? Uh, probably, probably some. More recently within the last year, obviously, because of the whole obviously, yeah. thing. But, uh, yeah, like I said, there's something to be said about going together as a group to an event um, that you don't get sitting in front of a, uh, you know, one person sitting in front of a, a screen trying to learn something. How would you do that, though? Because I, I'm asking the question as someone who's responsible for, for the investments and in training at a company. So if I put myself in Steve or, or, or Matt's shoes and I'm looking at there's something cool going on, but maybe I can't send everyone. Maybe we don't have the, the capital to invest to say, okay, we're going to take 10 people, we're going to head out over there, we're going to do this this big event. Maybe once in a while you do it, they're obviously good. But do you see an opportunity? Or do you, do, how would you approach it if you had to also do it online? Like, would you have, like, I'm, I'm just asking, like, as to still have the team bonding, to still have the camaraderie, to still get the most out of it as a group, do you have any ideas on how you could approach that? 
we didn't do this last year, but I heard of some guys with the Pandemonium event. You know, it was online mm-hmm. instead of in yeah. person, and they um, they would still like just like clear the schedule for those that day or two or whatever it was, and get together at a certain place with the whole team and have the courses up there on the screens and and we we kind of were slammed and we because there wasn't a physical event we didn't make the time to do that but that's one way i think would be a way to still have the same effect yeah because you can still you can still debrief after them too right you watch it watch the course or the video or the webinar or whatever it is and they're like okay so like how does that apply to us there's still ways to do it i'm just asking the question because like okay we're, we're getting through the pandemic. We're almost out of it. All, all that great stuff. Events are going to come back. But to grow and scale your business, if you want to, if you want to grow and continue growing, if that's part of the, the picture, then maybe it doesn't always make sense to have everyone participate in every event. So you can have a few people participate in some events, a few people participate in online. You can kind of switch like, okay, this time it's you guys, this time it's you guys. I'm just asking for, because, you know, depending on the business, the size of your business, the revenues you have, how you invest in training, how much you have allocated to investing in training, you know, it's nice to know there are options and there are different ways to get the same effects that you guys have been able to exploit from all going to events together. You can also do that online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's something we have to do. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a new thing, and I'm, you know, probably I tend to be more of a hands-on kind of a guy, you know. But I think there's I think there's value in it, and it's a matter of maybe adjusting the focus a little bit. We can Mm -hmm. uh, to utilize some of these things. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just exactly it's how do you use the tools? That's right. When you're comfortable with a tool, it becomes your go-to tool. You know. Right. Right. Sure. We've definitely done the thing where, like, you know, five, six, seven guys go to that event, and then a couple more guys go to that event. Like, it's not like everybody goes to every event. Okay. Probably the only one that everybody goes to the, the whole thing is uh, the Techo Showcase. All right. Yeah. Because it's closer. And it's and closer it's time. Free. Yeah. <laughs> and it's free. Yeah. And, and there's we good food. Yeah. And, there. and there's good food. Fun. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, let me ask you a couple other questions. Let's go back to the, to the beginning. 97, 98, uh, you started uh, integrating with integrating Hardscapes into the business. 2003, you went all in with Hardscapes, uh, outdoor living spaces, design build, basically sold off the, uh, the lawn care side of things. Why? I think we, um, all kinds of guys cut grass, right? And um, I think we saw an opportunity to set ourselves apart and to, to focus in more on that is more um, an area we could create a niche in for ourselves. And I think in many ways we kind of got in there and kind of led, maybe led this area somewhat in advancing the whole outdoor living space. You know. So you saw an opportunity early, jumped on it, saw it was working for you. Right. And you said, you know, we can really differentiate ourselves here. We can... I mean, in essence, also make more money here because right. there's more differentiation. So let's shift our focus. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Makes sense. 20 employees, two full-time design sales, five crews installing. How do you do that? How do you get to five crews and not, I mean, you still have, you both still have a full head of hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to say mine's turning white, you know, I can't see it now. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I think, uh, again, you know, you don't start, you don't, we didn't start with five crews. I, today, I can't, it blows me away when I, when I, often when I calculate my mind where all the crews are, I forget one. It's like, oh man, yeah, there's a crew over there too, you know, and I, it's amazing. I mean, there's guys going all directions, you know, and there's all, everything that goes with it, the equipment and the, yeah, we basically just try to build systems around everything we do. And we have the last 10 years, we have really just focused on grooming system. So yeah, obviously the, you know, be, software be able to manage everything and scale. Mm -hmm. We use, uh, we use apps like on our phones where we create groups whenever there's a, whenever there's a new job started, I create a group with the, with the, the sales guy, the foreman and anyone who's involved in that, that needs to okay. happen. Set up a group. Hey, we're so good communication, yeah. not just processes, yeah. but, but really yeah. good, easy communication. That's right. At the end of every afternoon, of every day, all the foremen are replying to our equipment sharing chat. So I get to see or whoever's responsible for that what the what the crew formations would be ideal for the next day who needs what so i can arrange to have our guys you know deliver products to just make sure all those things are happening there comes a point too when you build when you build for success and you can you start to build on that and it builds on itself in a way as you as you're successful with two crews and you move into three you move into four it begins to make a lot of sense to bring on some of the extra equipment that you might not justify otherwise because mm -hmm. there's so many ways you can go with it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so that has helped us too. just having our own trucks, you know, tandems and, and be able to move all of our own equipment and get to have guys, one or two guys that can just dedicate to logistics. So let me ask you, cause uh, there's, there's definitely two schools of thought on owning equipment versus uh, owning equipment and, and employing people to operate that equipment specifically, like trucks and drivers, versus subcontracting and renting on, on need, getting things delivered to you, paying for that, because it's one less thing to worry about. It's there, I paid, the service is there. Why did it make more sense for you to go in one direction versus the other? Maybe we're just kind of geared that way a little bit. Um, we did use... We did use we did use other people to, for logistics, like our local landscape supply, their dump trucks, uh, other guys. But as you grow, you end up with a lot of frustration because there's so many moving parts. And if you can't be nimble on your feet and make changes, um, you know, in the moment at times, or make things all come together for efficiency for the the next day, mm -hmm. the wheels come off in so many ways. Yeah. And um, yeah. again, those were big choices that I was not comfortable making, you know, five, six years ago. But it's been the last six years that we have brought on our own heavy trucks. Okay, so it was it's recently and it's kind of once you hit that next level of growth, because you were saying that other uh, that other salesperson who was hired on in the past few years he took the he helped take the business along with you from that 1.5 to 4 million right so there was another tipping point again where it's like we're just too busy we have too many crews too many sites we need these things running all the time now it makes sense to make the investment that's right and some of those investments allow you like right now the demand is so high 
and we have the resources and enough of a team, we could put together a fifth crew just to help us through this season, just to catch. Instead of okay. telling Mrs. Jones her her uh, five-day project's going to be September, October, now we could bring a bunch of that stuff up. We have enough of infrastructure to make, okay. to make it happen. So, okay. So it's about reaching those critical points. Sorry, Matt, were you going to say something? No, I was going to say, you're, you were saying a little while ago about we both have, you know, a full head of hair. How do we do it? And it, it comes down to having good people and, and the right people, you know, like we've grown slowly over the years um, that we're able to basically train and move up guys within the company. It's not like we started at the beginning of the year and say, oh, hey, we need a new foreman. Let's go hire two new foremen or whatever. And you try to bring guys into the company and there's a lot of frustration with that. It's been a He's slow. Said, no, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, no, I'd want to. I'd want to. I'd want to close the doors if I had to do that. Right. So we've been able to promote guys within the company that you can kind of bring on and teach and train. And yeah, Steve and I, we won't ever want to try this without good guys. You know, that are bringing their skills and abilities uh, to you know to the company. So it's one to yeah. kind of. Uh, Reinforce yeah, the only guys, the only guys that kind of came in without like starting at a whatever a laborer was like the two sales guys. Yeah, you know what I mean. Everybody else kind of grew up from an entry level position. That's right. Hmm. That's right. Sorry. So anyway, so, yeah. I mean, for me, went back a little bit there, Alex. On you, but sorry. So I might have stepped back a little bit. There. I know we kind of talked about that. No, there. no. So. No, no, that, that's that's perfect. I mean, it, it's it, it's important to understand like how you get there. The topic yeah. of g slowly growing, though, like how do you define slow? Because that's very that's a very subjective uh, way of defining it. <laughs> is it five percent, ten percent, twenty percent? Is it defined by dollars? Is it defined by number of projects? Uh, how do you quantify that growth? And do you have goals for your growth that you're setting every year? And they're calculated not only to keep the company growing, but also to keep it growing at a sustainable pace. I know there's a bunch of questions in there yeah. all at once, but. Yeah, well, we do look at everything with a, a fine tooth comb every winter as we establish our budget. We look at our, our bottom line. We look at, we make all those projections. We come up with a budget. And we know what our break-even point is, and we know what where where we need to be to achieve our net goal at the end of the at the end of the year. So we have those we have those sales goals every year, and we always we've had maybe a year or two in our history where we were where we were close to flat, but we have typically always grown, and um, you know even yeah five ten fifteen percent some of our some of our big curves in there when we took on our our, our second design sales guy we were up you know 40 percent you know yeah um, i mean but if you wouldn't i'd be concerned you know right, right. I think another thing, <laughs> that's right i think another thing to like how to label slow growth it's like not to get upside down in debt meaning like you're 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 funding your own growth with the growth of the company the profits of the company that's one way. And like one of the ways that Tusky's kind of like eased into that was using other resources, you know, the subcontractor model for our logistics there for a while. And, uh, you know, until it made sense to like lay out that capital investment, own the resources so that the efficiency goes up. 
Because, like, subcontractors, if it was 100% subcontractors, my goodness, I can't imagine the logistical nightmare. That would be... Well, with the number of crews and projects you have going on, absolutely. That'd be a different story. But if you're, like, a smaller company... You know, maybe you sub out your excavation and base prep if you have a great relationship with someone. So you can come in because it's you and someone else. And you're just coming in and, and you know, screening and laying pavers and finishing cuts and doing all the, the touch-up stuff. Yep. I'm tempted. I, I, have, I have two questions I want to hit. We're going to do one and then we're going to do the other. They're not related to each other, but they're both related to what you said in the beginning. But I want to hit them both. <laughs> so we're going to do that. The first one is... You were just talking about sales goals and growth goals and all that. And Wes, you were talking about on the marketing side, the main focus with the marketing that you're doing is content uh, or with, with you personally. At what point does a company decide that content, like your YouTube channel and YouTube videos, which I love watching, that's important. I'm going to pay someone to do that. Well, a YouTube channel is a lot of work and a lot of expense. You know, it might it is free to create a YouTube channel, but to create the content to put out there on the YouTube channel, I we we definitely didn't use the cheapest model. I see multiple multiple models people could take. Let's say you're just like a guy like Sean Collins there at Premier Outdoor, mm-hmm. like uh, basically cell phones, GoPros, you know, not, not a lot of crazy expensive equipment. Uh, I think he's editing his own projects, but you can go on Fiverr and pay somebody a hundred bucks to edit you. I know some people that every week they just they just shoot the content, dump it into a folder, and send it off to an editor in India or something. And for a hundred bucks a week, they get a weekly YouTube video. Mm. Like to me, if we were a small company with a few guys, that's what I would do. When does it make sense to start having someone like what Tassi did with me? Probably over that somewhere between the million and two million mark, you you probably want to get pretty serious about like, let's leverage this, do everything we can, and kind of establish ourselves as a local thought thought leader or local authority on these kinds of subjects. And I know our sales guys will say today, like it's, you know, we've started this initiative many years, five plus years ago. Well, that, and that's the thing, right? Like it, it's gotten easier over the years too. So like yeah. saying like the way a certain company might do it today with cell phones and GoPros and all, like five years ago, it wasn't as easy either. So you have to exactly. keep that in mind. Like you guys started on this content game before most people did. Yeah. And it's not been until the last year or two, five years of resources, right? It's not been until the last year or two that I remember the sales guys saying like, hey, the guys know our YouTube channel, the clients know, like, and it's, it's like the sales easy. Like they, they trust us, they are, they're not getting other prices. They're, they're going with us because they feel like they know us. So Steve and Matt, like when, when, when you were looking at the first three or four years of this content going out, what value were you seeing running the business saying, okay, well, Wes, we're, we're paying you to do this. Sales guys, is it making a difference? Eh, not really. Nothing, nothing really happening. I, they're cool. I like watching them. I like showing them to customers, but, you know, I don't know. Like, how do you have the faith to say, like, we're going to keep investing in this, like, this is going to work? Well, probably the biggest reward was that Weston wasn't whining about something else to do, you know, for his office. <laughs> no, um, I think it was all part of a bigger conversation around uh, our online presence. And we yeah. know it's going to take some time, but one thing feeds another. And there's, you know, there's a whole 
there's a whole mashing of things that come together online that helps to, to boost your online presence and you know all of this has has turned our website into a pretty good machine and Weston has overseen that and, and managed that thing uh, to where all these pieces come together and, and help to raise your your uh, your presence online uh, mm -hmm. so I think it was part of that you know, winter by winter, as we sat down, we went through all this stuff. What can we do to improve it? And yeah. uh, that's where, you know, we started making those investments yeah. where, uh, you know, a, a decent portion that took Weston's working foreman salary and, you know, added a nice chunk to it to uh, to build that, that part of our yeah. business. We could go somewhere else and work with, you know, Joe Blow Media Company of some kind, but... Weston had some of those um, gifts, and uh, seemed like he was uh, he could take it on, and make it happen, and you know he he kind of ran with it. Well, it's something to be said about content coming from within. Exactly. Right. No one can tell your story as well as you can. Right. Nobody has the passion that that you have for your business like you do, or the yeah. people who who work in it who are you know, the ones slinging the shovels and laying the pavers and, and you know, yeah. proud of the work they do. And that's one of the mistakes that that, that we see uh, in many industries, not just this one, is, is like, I don't know how to do this. So you, just, you just hire some agency to do it for you. And they yeah. put out a video that looks and sounds and feels like everything else out there. There's no yeah. uniqueness at all, you know? Like Marcus Sheridan says, like, it strips the soul out of your content. It's just cold, yeah. corporate. That's right. There's no so, resonance. Nothing like, what am I even watching this for? Yeah, like, yeah. And and the other thing is too is like people do business with people. Mm -hmm. They don't follow businesses; they follow people. So when it's just like farmed out content, I mean, there, there will probably be some gains, but not. And it's it's so easy to waste money on marketing. Kind of the way I kind of got into it was like we had just gone through the third agency, three winners in a row, or whatever it was. You know, seeing little to no no. In value, yeah. and we're like, yeah. fine, we'll just do it ourselves. And it was basically, right. Steve and Matt were like, we're just gonna go ahead and figure it out. And I was like, sure, you know. <laughs> I want to tell you something that was uh, really rewarding. Probably one of the most rewarding things that I've experienced was last year uh, through our, I guess, our YouTube channel. We had more and more people asking, hey, can we come out and help you guys on a job someday? We just like to hang out with you guys. There you go. That was the question I was gonna ask. And does it help with recruitment and retention of people? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, anyhow, I'll just finish my little piece yeah. and we'll hit that. So Wesson popped this up to us a couple of times. Hey, there's people that want to come. How should we handle this? So we ended up with a big project for the end of the year. We were like, the place had a nice conference room right on the, it was a commercial location. Got uh -huh. a great guy to work with. He said, hey, you can use this facility. We decided to invite people. So we put the invitation out. We ended up with, what, 30, 30 contractors or 20? Yeah. Oh, this was other contractors that were yeah. there. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh. And, and we get up to the day of this uh, where they're all going to arrive. They, they, the job was an hour and 20 minutes from our shop. So we, sh we, we arrived there on the job site that morning, and there is contractors there. From, they literally came from all over the U.S. No uh, way. And uh, they worked with us for a couple of days They're on site. We did some on-site training there in the conference room on the site. And then we spent the last day in our own shop. We had lunch brought in. And uh, I was just able to listen to all of our key guys 
talk about their role in their company, take questions, uh, explain how we do it and how what makes things tick. And I tell you what, I, I basically had no, almost nothing in putting that thing together, but it was, it was, a, it was a great time. That's awesome. I thought it was like just like people on the internet wanting to come see the, the work, but yeah. other companies coming out. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Training event. Yeah. Another thing is, you know, it's one of those things that uh, is a um, is rewarding for your own people. Absolutely. There's people out there like, hey, we want to come see you guys. You know, this kind of thing. So that was neat. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah and Talking about this whole uh, marketing thing, this whole the whole thing of putting ads in the newspaper, you know, all that stuff, print ads, spending money there. It's when we look at the budget every year, like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to do that, you know. After a while, it's like, where do you put the money? Well, it's not going to go to the print ads. It's going into something like social media, the online presence, and uh, sometimes you want those immediate results. Or like, we've done this for a year. What do we have? But you often have. To also have to recognize the fact that it's, it's something that starts slowly, you know, and that's what yeah. Wes knows. That, 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 that long-term vision. There, yeah. Slow grow, then it's just going to shoot up, you know, so that's that's what you hope for, but yeah. Yeah, it's easy to get it's easy to get start something and get excited about it and do it for a year and you have 300 subscribers. It's like, why am I doing this? But I think your expectations need to be managed too. Like in the beginning, we started out because we wanted to kind of show our customers how we just blew up their yard and like you don't go from this pretty little 3d design to an amazing five-star backyard without a lot of mess in between and some homeowners will freak out so <laughs> we, I, I remember uh, distinctly like bill gardaki was showing us how he uses his gopros to do the time lapses and we're like let's just do that and we'll just do these youtube videos and our our goal was to like show our own customers what it what it looks like yeah set expectations and the other thing is, too, is it's not all in the numbers. Like, I know another company that started, like, hey, I'm going to do a weekly vlog. And he's, I think he has less than 1,000 subscribers to this day. But that's not really the point. The point is, is those that content is helping him close jobs. That's it. You're a local business. Like, yeah. you don't need millions of subscribers. Like, yeah. what good does it do that you have someone in Texas who wants, like, you're not going to go do that job. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, it's like, what, answer the question first. What is your end goal? Sell more work? Well, then you don't need to be a massive influencer. You can be an authority in your own local market. That's it. Your question about we, it's maybe one time that we put an ad in the local whatever paper for recruiting, but I I have a desire to go there. All of our guys come through word of mouth, through mostly through connections of guys that are ready workforce. And um, yeah, we just... Yeah, or or people that see our company and you know end up coming to our office and filling mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So, so you you've built a good reputation and a, a good company culture and work environment where members of your own team are not shy, are not hesitant to get their friends and family to come work with them, mm -hmm. and they know that they're going to enjoy the work. And that word spreads in the community where you have people who just walk up to the office and apply and you're not really spending anything intentionally trying to recruit people. I bet things like, I wonder if you asked the question or if you guys know, but I bet things like the content you put out there probably also help because for every homeowner that's, that's watching 
and debating whether or not they should hire you for their yard. There's a kid who's in high school or, or start, about to start college or something who absolutely does not want to do that with their life, who's being told they need to go get an office job or something, and they're watching what you guys are doing, and they're like, man, that looks like a million times cooler than anything else that my parents are telling me to do or my teachers are telling me to do, and that's good stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. definitely happened some. It's like people, yeah. local community people are like, hey, you know, you know, we love your company or whatever. Can we, do you guys, are you guys hiring? And like, I think yeah. to paraphrase really shortly, what we've been saying is like, if you focus on the team, the culture, the vision, making it a fantastic place to work, treating them well, the rest kind of not entirely, there's definitely anomalies, but like the rest kind of takes care of itself. Like, like you're, you're almost like a tree. That's what I was thinking. There you go. What's that? Almost like a tree. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Take the hole, plant the tree, take care of it. Just keep it, keep it lined up. That's right. You got to have it. And and once it gets going, it goes. And you got to have the roots for the leaves, but you need the leaves for the roots too. That's it. All right. Yep. Right. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up. Hey guys. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? It's been a lot of fun, really. Uh, I mean, we honestly we could go on forever and ever. I, I probably want to talk to you guys some more uh, on another date, but uh, I think this is enough for today. I think we got a lot of awesome information. Really appreciate your openness and transparency, and uh, really, really, really fun talking with you guys today. Likewise, likewise. Thanks, Thanks for Alan. Thank you. If anyone wants to reach out to you ask questions or uh i don't know maybe set up another youtube contract or meetup thing or something uh what's the best way to reach uh reach you guys probably get a hold of these guys just message them on instagram message the toxic landscaping account on instagram i know uh we're all kind of on there so and what is that at at tussie landscaping right at tussie dot landscaping dot landscaping yeah yeah perfect and our website's there if you want to Browse that you know there, we've done a lot of honing and tweaking of that thing around the client experience with like getting a budget from the client with the project planner like there's tons of stuff there that you might find interesting so yeah for sure for sure now you guys have built a very uh, very uh, cool business and uh honestly i'm very very happy that you took the time to to share with us today so thank you very much absolutely thanks for having us all right that's it for another episode everybody Till next time, work hard, pave harder, and we'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Hardscaper.com. The Hardscaper mission is to empower industry professionals with the skills, inspiration, and confidence they need to take their businesses to new heights. Struggling with training programs for your team? Looking for helpful tips to build a better company? Subscribe today to gain access to hours of interactive, on-demand, hardscape construction and business courses for free. Plus, members gain access to virtual educational events, special offers, and fantastic prizes from our partners. Visit hardscaper.com today and let us help you pave your way to greater success. You've been listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time, work hard and pave harder.